Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. Uh, Let's go to John chapter 2. Um... The, uh, the last time I, I shared here, about a month ago or so, maybe a little over a month, just before we left for Korea, um, when I shared that Sunday morning, I shared a word that uh, I didn't like to share, but I knew it was needed, um, and it was, a, it was a, a word of caution, a word of warning about uh, living in sin. And expecting to enjoy the benefits of the, of the presence of God while still living in sin. And it was a word of warning. And it was a word that dealt with the fear of the Lord. And uh, I had to share that message because that's what God told me to speak. Okay? And his word is good. Is there's, there's wisdom from the whole counsel of the word of God. Looking at that Old Testament passage. Um, how many know that holiness is important? Amen. Obedience is very important. A lack of obedience is not made up for in his presence, and a lack of obedience is not made up for by some supposed grace. Yes, he's a gracious God. He's a good father, and he's a gracious, loving father. But that's never an excuse for sin. Obedience and holiness is very important. And the fear of the Lord is not just an Old Testament concept. It's very relevant to us today as believers under the new covenant. Amen? So, um, how many of you would give would bless me to say, Pastor, just go with what Holy Spirit has for us today. Okay? Now keep your hand up, and instead of just telling me that, let's tell him that. Holy Spirit, say it with me. Holy Spirit, we give you free rule and reign in this place. Come and glorify Jesus. Take your word and go deep in our hearts and fill us up to overflowing. Till we look more and more like Jesus. Till we're overflowing. Till Bob and Jenny can't contain themselves. You're welcome to pray that. <laughs> oh, now, Father, we just come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you provided a banqueting table of your goodness, of your love, and of your presence, and of your grace that you've made available to us, and you invite us to come and dine. You invite us to come and feast at the table of the Father's goodness. You invite us to drink deep of your Spirit. And Lord, I'm asking that you would mark this day. You would mark this place. God, I thank you for a few weeks ago when Paul Yadao was here, God, and that holy moment in your presence when many of us were on our face weeping in your holy presence and you came with such a a sobering sense of your holy presence and that God it was a day of commissioning so Lord I thank you for the people that you marked in our midst to commission us to take what you've given us and as mature sons and daughters not only receive but now we would run well with what you've given us and release it to the lost, to the broken, to the different different spheres of society, to release it 
to the lost and to the nations. That you're calling us to be mature sons and daughters who are filled up and then spilled out everywhere we go. I thank you for what you're going to do. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know how many of you might remember this, uh, but February of last year, I had uh, shared a message that was, we wound up entitling uh, it, um, Take the Muzzle Off. I don't know if you remember that. You might remember it better by a day that the Spirit of God just began to fall and really couldn't wrap up the message as people were being touched by the Spirit of God and people just started coming forward and it got wonderfully chaotic. I say wonderfully chaotic because there is a chaos that's not good, but if it's a Holy Spirit chaos, well, then that's good. So, um, and... Uh, so I remember at the time, the Lord spoke to me and said, take the muzzle off. And, and what I really felt like he was saying was, I'd been in a season of teaching. And anytime I spoke, pretty much anytime I spoke here on a Sunday morning for quite a while, I was in this teaching mode. God was giving me uh, more uh, a teaching that would be challenging and just laying foundational work that we need in our lives. Some challenging message, messages on holiness and repentance and the fear of the Lord. Okay, but I felt like he spoke this to me again and just saying, take the muzzle off. And this is part of what I mean by this is that is uh, some of, you know, we just recently got back from Korea. Right. And you, Pastor David, a couple of weeks ago, shared an update about that. Um, it was beautiful. It was awesome. Kind of scary. Like I said, um, the last day of kind of the, the main portion of the conference that we did to see um, to stand there with just the presence of God invading the room. And to hear throughout the room, thump, thump, thump. I'm like, what is that sound? And then I realized no one's praying for anybody, but people are just spontaneously falling out on not-so-cushioned floors with no one to catch them, most of them Presbyterians, who this is all brand new to. What I really felt like the Lord was saying is that, you see, when we go outside of this house and we minister other places, a lot of you have heard of us, our stories from Columbia, testimonies of what God is doing, and I just feel like it's, it's time for the bread to come back on the water. That what you guys, you show us as leaders into other places, we need to reap back here. Amen? So we're going to look at John chapter 2 and... I, I love this passage of scripture. What I'm going to share with you this morning is it's a now word, but it's not a prophetic word. I think you'll see in a few moments why I say that, but it's not a prophetic word, but it is a now word. So um, let's just go to the beginning of John chapter two. And uh, I am, I got my ESV with me that I got from Pastor Bob, but I am reading from NIV today. I've been making a slow transition for the past few years, going back and forth between the different versions. All right, here we go. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples have also been invited to the wedding. When the, when the wine was gone, Jesus', Jesus mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Isn't it funny? 
when Jesus kind of corrects his mom and says, hey, my time hasn't come. She doesn't argue with him. She doesn't, she doesn't get in an argument with her son, who happens to be the son of God. She's not getting in an argument with him. She doesn't even say anything. It's like, okay, son, I get it. Now just turns with her, do whatever he says. That's kind of sneaky, don't you think? You know, it's almost like a kid who asks parents permission, hey, can I do this? And then they, you know, kind of twist it around. But here's the mom, in this case, with her son, saying, son, they ran out of wine. He's like, mom, my time hasn't come. I get it. Hey, do whatever he tells you. Kind of a sneaky mom. Anyways, this is, not, this, this, is, this is not parenting 101 on how to be a manipulative parent. Okay, this is not what this is about. But nonetheless, this is Mary giving instructions to these servants saying, do whatever he tells you. How many know that's good advice? Just do whatever God tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Hmm. Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each Holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though some of the servants had drawn the water that knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. We'll pause right there. So here's the, here's the context. Most... The Jews had been waiting for the arrival of the Messiah for all these centuries. Day after day, week after week, month after month. Now I want you to keep in mind, as we look at this story real quick, that one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is wine. Okay, Paul tells us in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, we know that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were filled with the Spirit, and there was a lot of different things going on. They were declaring the wonders of God, declaring the praises of God. 3,000 people got saved, clothed tongues of fire on their head, all this wild and crazy stuff. But one of the things was that they were accused of being drunk, and Peter stood up and said, they are not drunk like the way you think they are. Okay? So Holy Spirit, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is wine. And so we're looking at this story with the idea that this wine represents the Holy Spirit. And so, but consider this for a moment, okay? In this passage, if Jesus had taken a thimble of water, just like a little drop of water, and turned that into wine, how many know that that would be a miracle? That'd be amazing. It's like, I don't care whether it's a little drop or an ocean full, it's still a miracle to turn water into wine. Am I right? That's pretty amazing. And I'll tell you what, I read that story for years. Most of us are familiar with this. That after all these centuries of them waiting for the Messiah, God finally shows up in the flesh and Jesus comes. And with all the needs around him, the first miracle he does, what does he do? I mean, we know Jesus healed the sick and he drove out demons and he raised the dead. Amazing things. But the first miracle he does is he turns water into wine. I don't know about you, but that kind of messes with me. I'm like, why would he do that? I would think he would come up with something more religious. Like turning water into wine after a party ran out of wine? And yet that's what he does. And every time I would read the story, I would think about, oh, wow, man, here's this cup of water that turned into wine. Read the context for a moment here. It says... In verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. If each one of these jars held 30 gallons in their six, that's 180 gallons. 
That's not a thimbleful. That's not a cup. 180 gallons. Do you really think that's necessary? Don't you think that's a little over the top? I mean, come on, Jesus. You could have just done a miracle and said, hey, I took this glass. Here's a cup. I turned water into wine. It's a miracle. But he doesn't do that. He goes way out of his way to take 180 gallons of water and turn it into wine. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of more than enough. He's an extravagant father. He takes care of us. He meets our needs. He supplies for us. It says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall have no lack. He's a super abundant God. This is amazing. But again, I'll have to say that, man, if I really think about it, I'm like, Jesus, was this really necessary? Who needs 180 gallons of wine? I could think of plenty of people who don't need 180 gallons of wine. But who really needs 180 gallons of wine? Don't you think that's excessive? And yet that's our Jesus. I mean, they thought the party was just wrapping up, but it was just getting started now. That's pretty extreme. That's pretty amazing. I want you to turn over a few pages to John chapter 6. And I want us to look at this story. Again, a story probably a lot of us know. And it shows the extravagance of our superabundant God. And the Lord has been reminding me again and again and and it reminds me at times I need to share this publicly that something he spoke to my heart about 15 years ago. I'd say really right about this time of year, 15 years ago. My wife and I uh, were experiencing just an outpouring of his spirit in our home. I don't know how to really state it any other way, but that God was filling our home with his manifest presence. It was overwhelming and it was glorious. And in that process of just this fresh encounter with the Lord that found out really wasn't just an encounter, but God was transforming my life and his presence was filling our home. I remember telling the Lord early on in this season, I said, Lord, God, I'm so, I, I don't want to lose what you've given me. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've released. But Lord, God, I don't want to lose any of it. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to somehow that this blessing is going to dissipate. It's going to cease that somehow, uh, I don't know, just mysteriously you're going to take it away from me for some sovereign reason. I don't know why. Or I'm going to do something stupid and I'm going to offend you and cause you to, to leave. And the Lord so clearly spoke to my heart. He said, Christopher, I'm giving you an inexhaustible anointing. And that is not because I'm something special. He was giving me something so special. It's because he's such a good father. He's such a good father. And every good thing that he has, the, the essence of who God is, is there is no limit and there is an endless supply of who he is. So if that anointing merely came from man or a meeting or a service or some other minister or any other word, 
from anything else. If all that anointing did was come from some mere human being and not from the limitless God, then I should have reason to be nervous or afraid. But if it comes from him, he's the God of no bounds. He is the God of endless supply. So he told me, I'm giving you an inexhaustible anointing. And I want to give, before we jump into this passage, I want to give you the ground rules for this service this morning. I bless you to drink and to receive of him right where you're at. Don't worry about just something happening at the end and someone laying hands on you. You get to drink and you get to receive directly from the Lord right now where you're at. And so the ground rules is simply this. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Just yield. Yield to him. Let's look at this passage in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked him only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, and 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now, it says that 5,000 men sat down. They had 5,000 men. Now, consider it in the cultural context that in that day and time, they normally would only, if they're going to count a crowd, they only counted the men. That's 5,000 men. If you assume there's one woman and one child per man, we're talking 15,000, okay? Very well could have been more women. Very well could have been multiple children. But we're saying that, that this crowd was probably at least 15,000. I don't know if you think of it that way when you read that story, but 15,000 people. That's a few more than here this morning, okay? 15,000 people. That's a lot. And another uh, parallel passage to this speaks of Jesus having them sit down in uh, groups of 50. Well, Jesus is about to do a miracle. But it also shows me as much as he's a miracle working God, he's really into administration. All the administrators say, "Woo, hallelujah. Okay, he's, he's into administration. He said, sit them down in groups of 50. Okay. And uh, so verse 8, well, one says, hey, there's, there's, it's impossible. We, we don't have enough food to go around. It's impossible. Another one says, well, we got a little bit of food, but it's, there's no way we can feed them all. So like no faith to just a tiny little ba- bit of faith comes up with a solution, says we got a little bit of fish and bread, but it's not enough to go around. Then we get into this. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Okay, verse 11 Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were were in need. 
Jesus took the loaves and the fish, okay? Not much there. You got 15,000 people, hungry people staring you in the face, and all you got is basically a few crumbs compared to 15,000 people. How many know the odds are against you? Unless you're connected with God. Unless you're the miracle-working son of God. But this is what he did. He took the loaves and he, 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 he took the fish and he thanked God for them. And then he broke it, and it began to multiply. This is what I learned from that. A principle called multiplication through appreciation. What Jesus did not do, and we, what we don't have a record of is the, his disciples doing in this context, is cursing the little bit that they had and saying, well, God, God, look at the position you stuck me in. This is impossible. Look at all these people who are wanting to eat, and it's impossible. There's nothing I can do. You sure haven't come through very good. Look at this little bit that I got. They didn't do that. Jesus lifted up his voice and he thanked the Father for the little bit that was given. And out of that, out of that place of appreciation came a multiplication. You know what? You can apply this to the presence of God in your life. You can say, with every little drop of presence that you feel, even if you feel like, man, someone else over to my left or to my right or some neighbor or friend, they're being inundated with the presence of God. It looks like blessing and favor is all over them. I don't know why I'm going through this trial. I don't know what, but you know what, God, I thank you for the little bit of blessing you've given me. God, I'm gonna, because the fact is you don't owe me anything. You're a good God, you're a good father. I didn't earn anything to begin with. Thank you, Father. This, this little bit that I have, I didn't do anything to deserve it in the first place. If you gave me what I earned, I'd go to hell. But instead, you've blessed me. It might not be as much as other people, but thank you for what you've given me. I'm not going to curse the little bit. I'm going to give you thanks for it. And as you thank him, he'll multiply what's been given. So then, look what happens next. I find this amazing. And this is something that I didn't see until just recently. Don't you love the word of God? How you can read it over and over and over again and always be learning new things. Okay. Verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated. And that's usually where I'd stop. I'm like, yeah, okay, everybody got some fish and chips. Everybody got some. But he says, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Fifteen thousand people. Fifteen thousand people. I would think, and when I'm reading this story, I would think, okay, you got fifteen thousand people. You're passing down the bread, and you're like, oh man. There's like 8,000 more people. Let's just break off a tiny little piece and make sure we got enough to go around. Because I don't know if God has enough. Let's just keep it going. Let's just barely take a little bit because there's, there's still several thousand more people. Let's take a little bit. I can imagine moms sitting there with their three little boys smacking their... Johnny, put that back. You can't take so much. Now put that down. Don't be rude. Jesus is looking right at you. He did the miracle. That's rude. Quit doing that. How many moms can imagine doing something like that? Don't be greedy. There's a hungry man down there. He's a big guy, too. He's going to be mad if you eat all his bread. But it wasn't just with the bread. It was even with the fish. 
big, burly man who can eat seven, eight fish. Old people, young people, little kids, growing teenagers with growing spurts and hunger pains. They're chowing down. But it didn't matter how much was eaten. By the time it, there was enough for everybody, and not just enough for everybody, everybody to have as much as they wanted. So let me ask you something. Who caused the miracle to stop? And I want you to think about this in context of the presence of the Holy Spirit and feeding and feasting on the presence of God. Who caused the miracle to stop? Well, the way I read it here is when the last guy finally ate as much as he wanted and said, that's it, I'm full, I'm done. And then it ran out. And that was it. The multiplication was over. But as long as people were still hungry, as long as people were still pressing in, as long as people were like, woo, this is an amazing miracle. Look at God is good. It's a divine buffet. Woo! Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to dive on in and we're going to feast on what God has given us. As long as they had that mentality, he kept coming. He just kept multiplying over and over and over and over again. He's a limitless God. I'm telling you, any good thing that God has done in your life, you think, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you feel or don't feel. I don't know how close you feel or don't feel to God. But this I know. You think about the time when you experienced God the most. You think about the moment where you had the, the, the greatest measure, the sense of God's presence and an intimacy with him. Where you encountered his love. You encountered his holiness. You were overwhelmed by his goodness. In that moment, God still has that affection for you today. That door is still open. He did not give that to you just to tease you and then to close the door. That doorway is still open. When Jesus went to the cross, he ripped the veil in the spirit from top to bottom. And the way is open into the Father's presence. Any good thing you've tasted of him is still available. Is still available. Who stopped the multiplication? Well, you could say, well, God is sovereign, and so he stopped it. And yeah, I can see why you say that. But the way I read the story is, Jesus said he fed everyone until they had as much as they wanted. So who sets the limit? Us or God? The only question is, how hungry are you? That's the only question. How thirsty are you? How hungry are you? Been having kind of an amazing time. I, a couple weeks ago, called a friend down in Texas, and we were just talking about some stuff on the phone, and we were talking about the Lord, but we weren't exactly talking about the presence of God. But in the middle of this, half, right about halfway point, of this half hour conversation, about 15 minutes in, I felt the presence of God begin to come on me. And it shocked me, because that only happens when I speak with Leif Hetland on the phone. And that's normal. When Leif and I talk, the presence of God comes, like every time. But in the midst of this, all of a sudden, here comes the presence of God. 
And I had him on speakerphone, and my wife is listening in. And about 10 minutes later, I said, dude, I just got to tell you, man, I feel the anointing so strong. It's like, oh, that's awesome. And so finally, we, we have to get off the phone because his baby had a blowout diaper. And it's like, hey, you know, God's still in all of this, you know. The anointing, parenting, it all flows together. It's all seamless, right? So get off the phone, and I look at Beth, and she said, I know, I feel that too. And it just rested on me for the rest of the night. The next morning, I get up and I come into the office, and the moment I begin to turn my heart to the Lord, I mean, I'm, I'm in my office for like two minutes, and I just begin to turn, turn my heart to the Lord, and the presence of God, that same presence just came again so strong, and it just settled on me that morning, and I was talking to Dave, and, and the presence of God just showed up in his office, and we brought Laura in, and she began to drink of the Spirit. And maybe she can fill you in on the words she received in that context. But the Holy Spirit just kept coming and coming. And so Beth and I had a lunch appointment with someone, and Beth had to drive me. And, and I thought, wow, this is kind of overwhelming, but it was just getting started. And it went on for a week, solid words. Just the presence of God just kept coming and coming and coming so strong. Look, I don't understand all that, and frankly, not all of it's very convenient, but I love him. And here's what I realized. I'm not pursuing a manifestation. I'm pursuing him. It comes on the heels of crying out for the fear of the Lord. It comes on the heels of feeding on his word and crying out to him for him, not just a manifestation, but falling more in love with him, falling more in love with him, and we've had this time of God's presence just coming over and over again. And it really, it reminded me a lot of 15 years ago of the way his presence showed up in my home. Where I was so intoxicated under the weight of his presence. God has so much more for us. Here's the thing. I know in the stream that we're in, the, 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 the part of the body of Christ that we tend to relate to, we talk a lot about some coming move of God. We do that, and I understand that. We'll keep doing that. It's all good. But here's the thing. I'm not waiting for something out there in the distance. I have the ever-present Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. You have the indwelling presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that as believers, you have an anointing that's on the inside of you. There's rivers of living water. If you've drank of him, and you might have feel dry, and you go, I haven't had a drink in years. Man, I feel dry. You don't know the season that I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm going through. Look, I'm sure you're going through hard times, and I've, it's not like the last 15 years has been a cakewalk, but I will tell you, God proves himself faithful, and he's a really good God. He's a really good father. And whatever he's given you in the past is theirs for you to take and to walk in and to live in. So I thank God for any future revival. But you know what? I'm not waiting on some word just for some guy to pass away so we can get his mantle. God forbid that 
that there would be some word released to the body of Christ going, you know, someday when Christopher kicks the bucket, then God can really move. How about we all get to live and experience what God has for us? Don't you think that's a better word? I'm not saying that, that any of those words aren't true. I'm just saying, wow, I think there's probably a better word. Like, we get to live. <laughs> and let's not wait for someone to die in order for us to get their mantle for God to move. How about we live in the reality today of what God's given us? We have access today to come into his presence. The Father invites us in. The greatest dispensation that we live in is called the New Covenant. So no matter what season we're in, and I understand prophetically it's wise to tune into the season of the Lord and what he's speaking and what he's saying, and that's awesome. But if we don't understand that the greatest season that we could ever live in is the season of grace, the dispensation of the Spirit, that we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit, that the veil was written to and we get to come and live in his presence, we're not going to see things accurately. Because I tell you what, no matter what prophets say or don't say about the season or the hour that we're living in, this I know. My God is my Father. The God who rules and reigns on the throne is my Papa. And He loves me. He likes me. And He invites me in by the blood of Jesus. I get to come straight into Papa's presence. He is my Father. And he gets to fill me with his spirit. And I get to drink of his spirit over and over and over again. That is our privilege, every one of us. So I bless prophets and I thank God for prophetic ministry. But I tell you what, I love what God's been doing. And I, I don't get it all. I tell you, man, in the midst of that, there's times where I'm just on my face, just weeping in the presence of the Lord. Just weeping. And sometimes I may feel his presence, not feel his presence, but I'm on my face weeping. I've, I, don't, I can't think of the last time I've ever had a season where I'm just kneeling and just getting on my face, bowing in reverence before him like this. And I, and, I, and I start hearing behind the scenes reports from other people who say, I don't know what's going on, but I just find myself weeping. I find myself weeping and weeping over again. Other people are like, I don't know. I'm just so hungry to come to church. I can't wait to get to church. I, God's doing something fresh in my life. He's changing me from the inside out. I love his presence. I'm encountering his presence in a fresh way. I love it. I celebrate it. And God has more for us. Go back to John chapter 2. Look, if you got sin in your life, repent. If you're not living right, if you're not living for God, repent. But once you repent, dive on in into everything God has for us. He's a good God. He's a good, we have an extravagant father. <laughs> All right, let's look at this. Well, let's go down to that last verse of this part of John chapter 2. This, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee, he thus revealed his glory. Now, I will confess to you that that does not sound like God revealing his glory. Okay? I'm going to confess to you what I think of God. When I think of God's glory, this is what I often think of. 
I think of Charlton Heston with white hair. Okay? Everybody remember the movie The Ten Commandments from the 1950s? Okay? Charlton Heston, white hair, face glowing, he's been, you know. I said, oh, the glory of God. Well, yeah, God manifested his glory like that in the Old Testament, okay? He manifested his glory with thunder and lightning on the mountain, and the mountain trembled, and it's, it's amazing, okay? He does that. But here's a new season. It's not like, oh, you're in a new season of two weeks. No, a new season called, I'm getting ready to inaugurate something called the New Covenant. And Jesus turns water into wine, and he says he thus revealed his glory. When I think about the wine of the Holy Spirit, this is a journey that I've been on with him, is I have found myself in different settings in the United States and in other countries where speaking on the wine of the Spirit and Holy Spirit will come. And some people that are here this morning, they were with us this last time in Colombia. And um, man, I've, I've seen this in different ways in Colombia. Other places as well. But I remember one night I was speaking um, and it was a, a, a small little secular arena that they rented, okay, in this town. And as I'm speaking, I felt the intoxicating presence of the Lord begin to come. And as that began to happen, I could see that our team on the front row began to feel the same. They start getting a little inebriated, okay? I saw that beginning to happen. And then what happened after that is I saw the next row, which was pretty much the worship team from the host church that was doing this. They begin to feel some joy. And it's like it just began to roll in waves through the place, first hitting our team on the front row, but then it began to hit the second row, and this wave of joy began to break out, and it's like, it's not like it didn't start out with people, people didn't start out by cackling really loud, it was just this kind of, <laughs> this awkward kind of, I'm trying to hold it back, what's this going on, I don't, that's how it started. Now can I tell you something? I cut my teeth on revival stories, reading books on revival. Charles Finney and Leonard Ravenhill as a teenager, okay? <laughs> and I, I'm like, I want to see an outpouring of the Spirit, but I never thought anything about laughter. I'm like, well, okay, so people are giggling, big deal. What's, what's the deal with that? But the more that time went on, people began to laugh more and more. And it got louder, and it just came as a wave that hit the place. And before you knew it, people were just laughing all over the place. Again, you could say, well, no big deal. Well, so bodies are strewn everywhere. People are screaming out, ah, just getting intoxicated in the presence of the Lord. And let me tell you this. The wine of the world is the false version of the real pleasure God has for us. Okay, We were made to drink of the new wine and to drink heavy every day. Because if we have to work with people that are hard to get along with, it means we need to drink more of the Spirit. I'm not naming any names around here, but they need to drink hard. Okay, 
So, and again, you might go, well, no big deal. But here's what was fascinating to me is earlier, I believe it was that very day, earlier in the day, what we did is we had a time of teaching on deliverance, renouncing sin and getting free from demonic bondage. <laughs> okay? And it was fine. It was good teaching. We had people come forward. They prayed through things, and it's all good. But I don't remember anybody really going through deliverance, although I believe good things happened. <laughs> but then that night, I'm just preaching on the wine of the Holy Spirit. And after a little bit, this joy begins to come. And then it increases. And it increases. And it increases more. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, you hear a scream that wasn't like, woo, hallelujah. It was like, Rah! Because the demons that were in that person that were tormenting them did not like what was going on. And all of a sudden, the demons that were inside this person for who knows how long began to manifest. And that person began to manifest demonically. And we'd send a team, go over there, get them, drive it out, set them free. A moment later, Rah! in the midst of all this chaos of this these waves of joy that was coming, all of a sudden, people are getting set free from demons. And it's like, the, the more intense the wave of the presence of God that came, the more intense, the shorter the waves in between the demonic manifestations, all of a sudden, people are getting free. And mind you, this area that we were in, in Colombia, it's the first time we'd ever been there, lots of witchcraft. More than any other place we'd been to, I would say, in, in, in Latin America. A lot of witchcraft. And people started getting set free over and over again, one after the other. It just started to break out. Then all of a sudden, something began to shift in the atmosphere. And I felt this authority from heaven. And I just start marching through the crowd with the microphone, declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is king and lord of all. Because you could feel things going on in the atmosphere. You could feel the waves of the presence of God. You could feel the anointing of God settling in the room. But at the same time, you could feel demons popping out of people. You could feel the demonic resistance. And I was just standing there declaring that Jesus Christ is lord of all. He is victorious. And I just begin to proclaim, not only to the people, but I begin to declare over the city, we've been sent on assignment by the Spirit of the living God to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we've come for breakthrough in this city. And the more I begin to do that, the more the Spirit of God begin to fall into place, the more, the more people begin to get set free from demonic torment. And in the midst of that, I remember... All of a sudden, I found there was a young man, probably late teens, early 20s, standing there. Put, put my hand on him. Man, he hit the ground hard. He was shaking under the power of God. I could feel holy fire, like electricity, just jolting through him as he laid on the ground, getting jolted by the power of heaven. I never got to follow up with him, but I know that, that young man will never forget what he experienced that night. It was so holy and so powerful. A few moments later, I'm over here to the right side, and I look up, and all of a sudden, there's a young man who just came up front, standing right in front of me. And I said, what's going on? Because we never really ended the message. It just went from teaching on the wine of the Spirit to Holy Spirit invading, and Holy Spirit has complete reign to interrupt the teaching of the word of God. 
He can do that. And we invite him to have his way. You remember, you raised your hand, right? Okay. So all of a sudden, this young man is standing right in front of me. And I said, what's going on? And this is all he said. I need to get right with God. I need him. I need to get right with God. And just begin to lead him to the Lord right there on the spot. You know what? I understand when Holy Spirit comes in power, sometimes it can look a little crazy. I get that. I, I understand people can be turned off. But I also know this, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there are a whole lot of people getting free that day, that night. And so much. In that moment, we gave other altar calls. But in that moment, I did not give an altar call. It's just the presence of God came in the room. And all of a sudden, here's a young man saying, I need to get right with God. What was it about that? There was no, I wasn't preaching in that moment on repentance. I wasn't preaching on salvation. I was just talking about the wine of the Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes in power, all of a sudden there's conviction of sin. All of a sudden there's joy. And one person can be experiencing blissful joy and another person experiencing conviction of sin. Other people getting physically healed. You know what? I'll take it. I don't care. He's God. He's really good at multitasking. He can do it all. I know for us, we're like, especially us men, we look at women and go, is she crying or is she laughing? She's doing both? How can she do that? I don't get it. But God himself is a multitasker. And some people will get totally messed up in one way and others another way. Some are getting saved and some are repenting. And it just doesn't matter because it's all God. That's really all that matters is it's him. He comes to glorify Jesus. So here's my now word that's not a prophetic word, because here's the deal. I'm not waiting just for some prophetic word out there to happen someplace, sometime. I'm not just waiting at some point for him to do something. I'm not a victim to circumstances. I'm not a victim to the prophetic. I'm not a victim to God's sovereign timetable. I'm a daddy's boy, and I live in his presence today. And I have access to all that he has for us today. So I will admit to you, I'm going to confess to you. When I would read that story out of John chapter 2, I would read it with an eschatological tension like this. They came to Jesus and they said, or they came to, um, we know Jesus turned the water to the wine. But they came to him and he said, you saved the best wine till last. And that's how I heard it for years. You know, God did other stuff in years ago, but someday there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. Someday He's going to come. Someday He's going to come in power. Someday, the, 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 on the last days, there's going to... How many know we've been living in the last days for a long time? Someday in the last days, there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. And I would read that and I'd go, yep, saves the best wine for last. Someday it's going to happen. Someday it's going to take place. But I want us to conclude with this verse. Let's read what it really says. <laughs> verse 10. And said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine 
after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best wine till now. That's different from save the best wine to last. Whew. <laughs> you know what that tells me? I'm not a victim of when I was born. I love to read about Azusa Street. I got all kinds of books on revival history. I love our Pentecostal heritage. But I'm not just looking backward. I'm not looking back to the past and lamenting what was or what could have been or what should have been. I live in today. We're here in April 2018. And this is what he says. He saves the best wine till now. When? Oh, it's when that prophet comes to town, you know. When we get that big name speaker, then bless God, it's going to be amazing. Oh, the next conference we have, if we have a really anointed speaker, oh man, that'll be great. And that's when it'll be. But until then, there's really nothing we can do. Oh, if we could just get so-and-so, fill in the blank, to come to our church and speak. Well, if I could just have an angel come visit me, because I've heard people who have angel visits, then they're really powerful. You know what? Praise God for angels, and if they want to show up and God sends them to you, great. But don't worry if you've never had an angel visit you. You have access to the Father's presence, which is better than an angel. God bless the angels, no offense, okay? But I'm just saying we have something greater. We have something greater. So I'm thankful for our past. I'm thankful for what we've received back then. But I'm not lamenting over what used to happen. Have you ever heard of outpourings of the Spirit? And think, man, that would have been amazing to live back then. Well, you know what? The disciples walked with Jesus in the flesh for three years. And he said, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send Holy Spirit to come. He's going to come. He's going to live on the inside of you. He's going to fill you up, and he's going to overflow through you. So thank God for what happened in yesteryear. Thank God for what's to come. But I'm not living in yesterday, and I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. But I have access to the presence of the Holy Spirit today. He saved the best wine for now. No, when? Now? now? Wait a second, you mean, you mean like maybe next month if we have a guest speaker? Is that what you mean by now? Like 2018 now? When? 2008? Oh, wait, maybe you're just talking about April because there's like one day left. Maybe, maybe tomorrow or something. Well, tomorrow's good. And when tomorrow comes, live in now and access what God's given you. But it says now. That's April 29, 2018. That's right here, right now. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Let's stand. You have saved the best wine till...
precious Holy Spirit. We love your presence. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. I just welcome you. Lord, I just welcome you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you up into that balcony right now. I invite you right now to take a drink. Whatever happened in years gone by, you still have access to today. I felt like the Lord told me in worship that there's some of you, there's stuff that happened years ago and you feel so far from it, but there's an anointing here today to, re, to kickstart that process all over again for you to re-enter that experience. Oh. He saves the best wine for now. Now. Not last year, not next year, but now. 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 Just put your hands out before him. Oh. Oh. Oh, 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 Papa. Oh, it's bubbling. I feel it. <laughs> it's bubbling. <laughs> Go ahead and put your hand, put one hand on your belly. Put one hand on your belly. Jesus said, in the King James, it says, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly. Huh. Whoo. More. 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 Come on. Take a drink. Take a drink. Oh. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh. Mm. He's not going to run out. He's not going to run out. Don't be satisfied with a drop. He's not going to run out. There's more. There's more. There's more. He is the God of endless supply. He is your Father, El Shaddai. More. More. Holy Spirit, just fall like rain up in the balcony right now. More. 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 Transforming from glory to glory. 
more. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with Holy Spirit. More. More. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't look behind you and don't get lost looking forward. Look up. Look to me. I will open the windows of heaven. Look to me. Look to me. The Lord says, look up. Look to me. Today is the day of salvation. Today the harvest fields are ripe unto harvest. Today I've saved the best wine till now. You have access to come to me. More. More. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Hey guys, and don't worry about it. If you're new here, look, Pastor Dave will be back next week and he'll have a great message for you and, and it'll all be good. But I'm telling you, oh, God, has, God has a banqueting table that's open for you today. 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 Shoot. I'm telling you, I hear the sounds of wine bottles in heaven being uncorked. Boom! Pop a cork. Pop a cork. He saves the best wine till now. Till now. Till now. <laughs> See, and I tell you, it, in one sense, it doesn't matter what you do or don't feel. It's simply because he's good and he's here. <laughs> so I don't just live off of what I feel. I just receive by faith. <laughs> So, Lord, I thank you that any problem that any person has in this room, I thank you that you are bigger than that problem. <laughs> I thank you that you are bigger and better than that. Keep coming, Lord. Keep coming. Sha Arambo Koti Talakata Tuku Talaburoku Remarika Titin Duruku Suturemidi Sititi Tu Hu Remilitiki. He saves the best wine till now. Now, 
Quit waiting. Dive on in. Now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Oh! Whoo! It's the last verse I'm going to read. It's out of Isaiah 55. It's an invitation. Oh. More, Lord. Isaiah 55. The King James adds this, the first word to this passage. Ho! Then he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Leave striving dead religion and come into the fullness of the Spirit. Receive the grace of God. Get into the flow of the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Listen to what he has. Your father has a banqueting table before you. Who? Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make a covenant with you. An everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love to David. Behold, I made him a witness to peoples, a leader, the commander of peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. A nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. I'm telling you, there are nations that God has marked out for us as a house to touch. There are nations, there are ethnic groups God has brought here, different ones from different nations that he has brought here and is bringing here. But there are nations that we don't even know about yet. He invites us to drink. And then he says, from that place, out of drinking of me, then I'm going to call you. I'm going to send you to nations. And you're going to give to the lost, to the broken, to the dry, to the needy. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.